Hello, and welcome to It's Complicated, a podcast about healthcare ethics and practice presented by the Nova Scotia Health Ethics Network, or NSHEN. I'm Marika Warren, network ethicist for NSHEN, and I'll be your host for this discussion. So this podcast is currently a time-limited trial to see if we can make our resources more accessible in audio format. For our Ethics After Hour resources, we seek out ethics-relevant content in films, TV and streaming series, and other podcasts, and provide summaries and discussion questions. These summaries are available on our website, and the link is also in the show notes. So I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Amanda Porter, who is a clinical ethicist with the Dalhousie Department of Bioethics Ethics Collaborations team. Today, we're discussing one of our Ethics After Hours resources, the 2006 documentary, A Lion in the House, directed by Stephen Bogner and Julia Reichert. We'll be talking about how we responded to the documentary as clinical ethicists, who are often asked to participate in consults that are similar to the situations depicted in the documentary. So maybe to start us off, Amanda, you can give us sort of a brief overview of what we see in A Lion in the House. Thanks, Marika. This documentary film is about childhood cancer and the experience of families surrounding childhood cancer. It follows five children uh, or teenagers and members of their families over the course of six years. And during this time, the patients experience relapses and complications, and three of them do die. Uh, the documentary, it starts with this, this quotation, you know you're truly alive when you're living among lions. And the idea is that when you're in this life-threatening kind of situation, you become hyper alert to your physical body and threats to it. Um, but you also become more fully present in the moment. And some of the things that might have uh, taken up your attention beforehand sort of fall away. And so a lion in the house, the lion is cancer. And this documentary explores, I think, this hyper alertness and this sense of living on the edge of, of death, um, but also this fierce determination and focus that can take over a family when their child has cancer. And interestingly, the documentary maker's own teenage daughter, they note at the beginning, uh, received some treatment for cancer. And we don't learn the details of her case, but I... I did find myself wondering if their their insight into the experience of having a child with cancer helped them to develop a relationship of trust with these families, because really the footage that they share in this documentary is extremely personal. It's very raw and you really do get to be um, witness to some extremely difficult situations and conversations. So it was an excellent documentary, very moving. And it was um Wonderful, I'd highly recommend it. Excellent. So maybe to start a discussion, Amanda, I'm wondering what came up for you as a clinical ethicist as you were watching this documentary? There's so much that I liked about this documentary. Part of what was so wonderful about it is that it was filmed over the course of six years. And this prolonged period of filming really enabled them to contextualize the patient's experiences within their broader social life. So they saw the patient as part of a whole, including their family. And indeed the patient's story doesn't end with their death, that the, the documentary actually continues to follow some of these families even after their children have died. And I, I loved the way they um, contextualize these stories in, in a larger whole. I also uh, appreciated the how they showed the interconnection between physical and mental health, and also I think subtly criticized a narrow focus on physical health. So towards the end of the documentary, 
some of the physicians and members of one of the care team, they're discussing how they feel like they've treated the patient's cancer, but they've left the patient with numerous residual social, cognitive, and psychological problems that are they feel are left almost entirely untreated or unsupported by their health system. Um, and, and this was particularly true for some of those uh, cancer patients who were economically or socially um, disadvantaged in some way, and for whom cancer was just one of many challenges, traumas, or injustices that they were battling. So I liked that, uh, again, viewing the patient as a whole and the, the connection between physical and mental health and social circumstances. Um, what Just as an aside, another thing that really interested me was this question of professional boundaries that was raised in the documentary. And there's this, there's this one story where um, a nurse and her husband develop a relationship with one of the patient, one of the teenage patients outside of the hospital. And they take him shopping and they take him on uh, short excursions that he might not, he wouldn't otherwise be able to participate in. And his mother is very supportive of this relationship outside of the hospital. She's, she's happy that, that they're giving him this opportunity. But it was, it was a very interesting um, scenario because it's, it's common not to encourage this kind of blurring of relationships in healthcare between sort of personal and professional relationships. And I, so I thought that that was an interesting um, example where that was getting blurred. So yeah, I don't know if I can just pick up on what you were saying there about relationships, because I think that was something that the documentary did an extremely good job of illustrating. Um, so just the complexity of the relationships that are involved sort of within families who are facing cancer uh, between the healthcare team and the family and the patient, and then within the team. And the degree to which those relationships really make a difference was highlighted. And I think that's something that when we go into a lot of ethics consults, that those relationships play a really significant role. But I think it's sometimes difficult for folks to be able to bring that to the fore as something that's important or valuable um, in the, the whole dynamic and in the treatment decisions. And I think that the documentary was lovely for showing how significant those are, but also how complex those are. And when you come in as an ethics consultant who is new to the situation um, and you're trying to suss out what the relationships are and how they might be affecting the way decisions are being made or the way information is being communicated, it's something that certainly makes it uh, more challenging and complex on, on the side of the ethics consultant when we come in. And I think the multiple perspectives that we get on relationships, uh, again, really speaks to the things that often make dealing with any sort of significant, potentially life-limiting illness that goes on over an extended period of time, that developing those relationships is both inevitable and necessary. Um, and we see the, the ways in which those relationships really provide a lot of therapeutic benefit. Um, in the case of you know, the uh, teenager that you mentioned there, that particular nurse was also the one who could 
get him to be compliant with his treatment regime, in part because they had this relationship. Um, so it was the same sort of thing where I thought, oh, initially on the surface, that seemed to be what we might identify as a boundary crossing or a boundary violation. But it's shown in context where you can also understand its importance. And I think that speaks um, to, again, just the, the complexity and some of the nuance that when we go into situations like this as an ethics consultant, the way that you do need to take that on board, that often, you know, there's more than just what is apparent sort of on the surface. And you really need to dig into those relationships in order to, to provide the sort of support that, uh, that the team or the family uh, might be looking for in these sorts of situations. Yeah, definitely. I think it shows how what we do and what we say or what we choose or what we don't do or don't say is significantly affected by our relationships with others uh, and pre-existing experiences with them. Yeah. So something else that came up for me, Amanda, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, was about the role of parents in decision-making in this uh, context where you have a child with cancer. And so there were a couple of examples that I thought, again, spoke to the complexity of trying to make decisions. So one was where a parent had made a promise to their child, as, as parents do, as you know, good and caring parents, that there'd be no more ouchies. And so uh, because the parent had made that promise, uh, it then, at least in terms of what was shown, made that parent also uh, want to delay an intervention uh, that perhaps was necessary because they'd made that promise as a parent, but in their role as a surrogate decision maker for that child that needs to be driven by their interests, that then there's that that tension that the parent is you know trying to uh, to resolve in themselves. And I thought that 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 particular challenge was one that spoke to, you know, we assume that the parents are best situated to make decisions because they understand their child's interests, but that there's roles as a parent and what they want as parents that can also be in tension with that. And so I thought that complexity of parental decision-making was highlighted really nicely. And then the other area that stood out for me was where you had a child who had, um, started as a as a patient at the age of nine, um, but who at the point of the documentary was 19. And so the way that you know, it started out with parents being used to being the decision makers, and that didn't seem to really shift even as, you know, presumably at, at 19, again, given what we saw, he would be able to make uh, decisions on his own. So there was that, again, how do you sort of support families in, that shift in decision-making, again, when there's that ongoing expectation. And because it was also a children's hospital where a 19-year-old was continuing to receive treatment, how did that also influence sort of the team's expectations around how to uh, approach decision-making? But I'm curious as to your thoughts around what you saw regarding decision-making in the documentary. Those were such interesting points, Marika. I, I definitely agree with you that there can be a conflict potentially between an SDM's role to uh, promote a patient's best interests versus a parent's role um, to kind of protect their child or keep their promises. Um, And I think another thing that often motivates parents is 
is the idea, what can I live with? What will I be able to live with? They have this anticipatory regret that influences what they choose or what they avoid. Um, and that may or may not be consistent with their best interests. But of course, sometimes it's another, another common complaint, I think, of healthcare providers is that we're not paying sufficient attention to the ouchies, that we're totally ignoring the lived experience of a patient and we're, we're, we're kind of looking through them to what might be medically possible. So yeah, so there's that as well. There were so many interesting things related to decision-making and, and, and your point about children and the challenge of their evolving autonomy and how we come to empower them or enable them to take on their own decision-making is interesting as well because children and teenagers are as diverse as adults. And just as some adults like to engage in, or they like to defer decision-making authority to another family member, or they like to share it with another family member, so too might some teenagers. And, and so sometimes I think it's the case that parents are just not giving up control that they really ought to be giving up, that the teenager no longer wants them to have and, and they have the capacity to make their own decisions. But sometimes it may, it may be that the teenager does want to uh, not carry the, the burden of decision-making all on their own. And um, I think with teenagers, and again, in the documentary as well, we also see another teenager who is making more of his own decisions and not being um, compliant with some of the recommendations. And then there's the question there, you know, should the parent step in or do you need someone to you know, make sure that this happens? Does the uh, 15 or 16 year old really understand sort of the consequences of choosing not to take medications or avoiding sort of the short term side effects that they find uh, undesirable versus the, the long term. So again, I think it it does a nice job and I don't think it was necessarily intentional that that dynamic sort of came out in different ways with these uh, two different patients. But I think, again, we saw a full spectrum of you know behavior around decision-making on the part of you know, the children, on the part of their parents um, and on the part of the healthcare providers involved in terms of sort of the degree of direction, uh, recommendation, sort of, you know, that, that nudging um, that often goes on as, as you know, healthcare providers try and find the line between respecting the you know, family or the patient's autonomy, but also providing support really that that uh, family needs. So again, I think what I love the most about this documentary overall was the way that it just really illustrated the complexities, which I think are often what we find when we go into an ethics consult um, that, you know, when you really start digging down into the, the particulars of the clinical situation and of the family situation, that it's it's fairly rare that anything is straightforward or clear cut uh, because of all of these uh, nuances and, and dynamics. And, and where we often have competing uh, intuitions about, you know, what we should do that are that are shaped by the situation that uh, that we're in. And I think the clinical uncertainty as a piece of that uh, as well around decision-making was something else that came out very clearly that no one no one was entirely sure what would happen. A lot of these patients were patients who had sort of come to the end of um, 
you know, sort of standard care and even the end of experimental uh, care. And, you know, nobody, nobody knew what uh, would happen with some of these interventions. And I think it did uh, also a nice job of demonstrating the way that the team grapples with that uh, as well. And um, at one point, uh, one of the... Uh, the attending physicians brings in, um, I believe, I believe it was Camus, I think, uh, the plague, and talks about you know the torturing uh, children and sort of really asks some deep questions around what they're doing and um, and I thought it was a a nice way of acknowledging the humanity of everyone involved and that everyone is trying their best but it's often not clear what the what the best way forward is for them. I agree entirely. I think that the filmmakers did such a wonderful job showing why a person might do what they did or say what they said. And I think it's because they had this six years of footage. They had this ability to really um, kind of show um, what preceded a treatment decision over a course of years. And so as the viewer, even if you might think to yourself, um, that what a parent or what a healthcare provider did was wrong in some way, the, the film really does a great job of helping you understand why they would have done what they did or said what they said. So it has this tremendous humanity and empathy. And I do think that these are key ingredients for facilitating mutual understanding and only if we're able to kind of better understand each other uh, will we be able to kind of make progress and make reasonable decisions. So I, I think the, the documentary was, was excellent in that respect. I think you, that, that question around you know, how do we understand each other um, is a really key one. So one of the things that I was thinking as I was watching was, you know, would any of these uh, families have benefited from involvement from ethics support, whether the families themselves or the team as they were working with the family. And you know, given the complexity of the relationships and the fact that these are, you know, like you say, years uh, of history that that go into situations, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure, you know, if it would have helped uh, help them to have ethics come in at, at certain key points in the decision making. But I think that piece around you know, helping uh, all those involved to understand each other empathetically and sort of really um, show where everyone is coming from and the ways that they're trying to do their best is maybe one way that ethics could offer uh, some support, again, either to those families or to the team as they uh, grapple with the decision-making. So I wonder what you thought of in terms of, you know, would ethics support have been a help anywhere in the stories that we see in the documentary? I think possibly, I think it could have been a useful support, particularly for the healthcare team and identifying um, inconsistencies in how they're approaching family members. So I think that came through loud and clear in the documentary that sometimes family members would get fairly different pictures of what was going on with the patient and what their likely prognosis was depending on which member of the clinical team they were speaking with. And at one point, one of the mothers says, um, uh, when she's talking about one of the physicians who was providing um, a less optimistic 
prognosis and was was trying to really uh, get this family to confront the the patient's um, upcoming death. She said that she was no longer, she avoids him, that she was avoiding him because he was um, Mr. Negative and she was going to keep up her hope with other members of the team who were providing a very different kind of outlook for her. So, so I think inconsistency in communication or in emphasis is a really common recurring problem in uh, ethics consultation work. So, so I think that might've been helpful for the team and to give them a shared language with which to describe the situation and a shared strategy for how to respond to certain kinds of questions can be very helpful. I think that kind of scripting. Yeah, I think one of the things that also uh, came to me is the way that sometimes coming at it from an ethics or values-based perspective can shift the conversation in ways that maybe need to happen to take into account some of the broader questions about quality of life um, and and not just the, the quantity sort of thing and to help you know, ask, you know, overall, is this, you know, a life that the patient would find worthwhile to, to continue, even if they were a fighter, you know, is this something that they would think is worth fighting for, sort of the way that they're currently existing? And I think, you know, there were, there were moments where sort of that shift eventually happened uh, for the families, but a question of, you know, could having ethics support come in, perhaps at an earlier juncture, have shifted some of that thinking or consideration um, earlier that might have resulted in you know, fewer interventions perhaps for some of the, uh, the patients right at end of life that you know, in that sort of epilogue that we got, um, some of the families expressed some regret about uh, decisions. You know, although they, I think they also you know, had what is reasonable self-compassion around recognizing that they were you know, doing the best they could with where they were at the time when they were making those decisions. So just to you know, start to wrap up our discussion, I'm wondering for you what you think the documentary tells us about why it's complicated when we approach these sorts of uh, cases and these sorts of decision-making in the healthcare setting. I think this documentary shows that it can be hard to predict how you might respond to a situation until you're confronted with it. And um, there's another uh, medical uh, documentary that's uh, Netflix recommended to me after this one. Um, and it starts out with uh, a physician saying something like, you know, when we're healthy, we're really happy to talk about death or to think about death and what kind of death we might like. But uh, when we get really sick, uh, when those conversations might be most appropriate, we actually start avoiding those topics. So I think that that also came through for me here. And, and it shows why this can be uh, the unpredictability of how we might respond in situations. And also um, maybe our decreasing willingness to to have these conversations as the time gets near. Yeah, I think I think for me, what this really emphasized about you know why it's often complicated is that it's humans and with human emotions um, and human psychology, human inconsistency that are experiencing treatments, that are making decisions, that are providing care. Um, And so I think that 
And when you take all that on board and take it all seriously, it does become complicated, but also that the documentary shows why that's something that we need to do in order to respond appropriately and sensitively to the situation. So thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it and I hope it's been evocative for folks listening to it around some cases that they might have seen and how they might have responded. And I certainly would uh, recommend watching the four hours of the documentary. It's certainly not cheery, but I would argue that it is absolutely time well spent. So I'd also like to thank uh, folks who've given us production support around the podcast. So Lisbeth Huck-Nielsen, Kristen Leszko-Scary, and the team at Dalhousie MedIT have all given us a lot of uh, support in pulling this together. I'd like to thank Ben Caps for the theme music, and thank you, of course, for listening. Please feel free to contact Enshen through our website with any feedback that you have, and we look forward to uh, chatting with you again. Mm-hmm.